Welcome to the Texas Sports Unfiltered post-game show, post-Longhorns pulling it out in very ugly fashion over the Houston Cougars. Yeah, as people were already chiming in, yes, ugly AF, except we can say the AF here on Texas Sports Unfiltered because we are not bound by arcane FCC rules. It was ugly as fuck, unfortunately. Not ugly in the beginning. Looked great through a quarter plus. But unfortunately, the second through fourth quarters happen. And while in one sense, you survive in advance. On the other sense, this team shows a complete lack of killer instinct. The offense lies dormant for the better part of three quarters. Quinn Ewers gets hurt on a play where you get that he is trying to pick up a first down for his team. But at what point do these guys learn the need to slide to live to see another play? The Texas defense turns into a bit of a sieve, especially as it pertains to Donovan Smith throwing the football over the middle of the field to his receivers. But in the end, a drive led by Malik Murphy that only required him to throw it once, I believe, and lean heavily on Jonathan Brooks and then C.J. Baxter to get into the end zone for a go-ahead and what turns out to be a game-winning touchdown. The Longhorns do come out victorious over the Houston Cougars. What is the final score, you ask? Well, I need to look that up right now because I'm not even totally sure. The final score is Texas. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, my goodness. Texas 31, Houston 24. There we go. Yes, Joe, on the bright side, Quinn did get jacked up, didn't he? Quinn is the Dak Prescott of the Big 12, overrated, according to Joe. Oh, that's you're saying on the bright side, realistically or legitimately, that Quinn got jacked up. No, I disagree with that one. Unfortunately, uh, Quinn Ewers does suffer the injury. Malik Murphy... Maybe good at some point, but let's not uh, let's not act like he is the guy to turn to right now. And I am joined now by my good friend Kevin Dunn. What's up, Katie? How we doing? God, what the hell was that, man? It's pretty ugly. I mean, things look good through a quarter plus. Texas is up twenty-one to nothing at one point, and then Houston claws the way back to get a touchdown, and then inexplicably. Steve Sarkeesian decides to go field goal fake. What was it? A fourth and four? Yeah. Fourth, the, uh, actually, I think it was like, yeah, fourth and four, fourth and five, maybe. Field goal fake. No, and, uh, they don't get it. And that gives Houston the momentum to uh, take the ball back and go downfield and score a touchdown to get it within one score before halftime. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, a lot of programs are in this situation and most of them are a majority where as a fan base you, you watch and it's like going on dates, you know, and you have a really good date on your fifth date, the sixth date, he or she says something really fucking stupid. And you're like, I, is this going to work? Um, and that's kind of way it feels like with Sark. I mean, we, we've talked about, it, it feels like it's moving in the right direction, but there's just some stuff. I mean, that was inexplicable. There's no reason to do it. And, you know, kick the field goal probably, but if not, go for it. Yeah. And they just got way too cute. Um, I, so I, I took a nap and blew through my alarm. So I missed the whole third quarter, but it's almost like my body was doing something smart. So I have no idea what happened in the third quarter. Uh, third quarter, the offense stagnated. They may have gotten three points in the third quarter, if I'm remembering correctly. But the offense just wasn't very good. Quinn was not on target with his receivers. Jonathan Brooks was okay. But uh, the offense really wasn't able to get much going. And I think the one field goal was after they technically got into the red zone too. So there's another red zone failure. And this Texas offense once again struggles on third downs against a really bad Houston defense. Yeah. And on the flip side, Houston starts to get some things going by attacking the middle of the field on this Texas secondary. And this has been a problem for a couple of years now. And 
you thought with the addition of Jalen Catalan and Jaron Thompson entering another year as a starter that the safeties would be better in coverage. But the reality is, is that these safeties, and this has been the case for the last few years now, since Steve Sarkeesian took over and Terry Joseph was in, uh, in charge of coaching the safeties, they're really good at going downhill and helping in run support. They are not very good in coverage. And no. Catalan was out today with an injury, of course. Keaton Crawford is dog shit in coverage. Michael Taff is probably your best safety in coverage right now. Oh, he is a guy who I'm glad he's on the team because he's one of the few dudes who was making plays in the secondary today. But he was also on the receiving end of some bad coverage at times as well. And unfortunately, a defense that seemed like it was a big reason why this Texas football team could accomplish major things this year is all of a sudden becoming a liability. And it sucks to come to that conclusion over the last two games. Yeah, I, I haven't bought the, the secondary the whole time. You know that. Yeah. And I, I don't buy their talent. I also knew Terry Joseph at Notre Dame and, and right. talked people there and, and was not uh, not real fired up about that. But that, that's where Sark's going to have to look at stuff. Not right now, not this week, but each year and come to some hard decisions and say, how do we really make this program better? And yeah, I mean, that that's obviously what I did see in the fourth quarter was, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure what they're playing back there because it's hard to see on TV and uh, but just guys way too open. And some of that's talent. And you can say, well, Texas has talent. No, they, they actually don't at a high level in the secondary yet. And they have enough talent to play better than that. And so a lot of that's coaching and scheme, but they just look lost. I mean, you give up 378 through the air to Houston, who we know offensively they can do some things, but just, you know, this is a reality check for all of us, kind of where this team is. This team probably has a loss or two in front of them. Like, stop, stop with the CFP shit. Yeah, you may be right about that. Now, the, the saving grace might be that Texas doesn't have a difficult schedule the rest of the way, but who's to say Kansas State is not going to come into Austin in a few weeks and win that game? If they play like that, they've got a loss or two in front of them. And you could argue that they haven't played where they should since the second half of Alabama. Um, I think that there have been some good moments since Alabama. I thought that I, didn't say, a, I didn't say there weren't bad moments or some good moments, but I, I mean a complete game. I thought they played a pretty complete game against Baylor. I thought they okay, Baylor forgot about Baylor. Never mind. Pretty complete game against Kansas. But here's the problem with those two games is that you were playing backup quarterbacks in both of those games. And Kansas yeah. was a ranked team at the time. And yeah, their defense has improved, but it was still Kansas with Jason Bean in charge and really foisted into that position at the very last minute with Jalen Daniels waking up with a bad back that morning. So he wasn't exactly preparing all week to play that game. And then Baylor, of course, rolled out a, a guy who may turn into an okay college quarterback. He is not fit to be starting at the FBS level right now. And they have Blake Shapen back and they scratched and clawed their way to a victory over a really bad Cincinnati team today. But Texas also hasn't played a whole lot of difficult opponents since Alabama. Oklahoma was the first decent opponent since then. Not even going to call them good. And what happened in that game? Texas gets punked. Maybe they're drinking the rat poison, or maybe it's just a matter of a decently coached team exposing some serious flaws within this program, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Like You can look at the turnovers that the offense had against OU. One clearly Quinn's fault. The other was a nice play by OU. JT Sanders doesn't hold on to the football and the third toner turnover, the Quinn Ewers fumble uh, Quinn probably needs to protect the ball better there, but that was also a nice play by the OU defender. Uh, but the offense was okay that day. It was the defense. That was the biggest problem. And the biggest reason other than uh, that first and goal from the one as to why Texas couldn't win in Dallas two weeks ago today was unfortunately uh, there's a lot of blame to go around on both sides of the ball. And now that Quinn Ewers is, I don't know what his injury status is. Perhaps we'll get an update on Twitter at some point, but he couldn't finish this game. And if you're relying on Malik Murphy to lead this offense now, things change pretty drastically in the likelihood that you lose one or two the rest of the way. It goes up. I, I don't know what the amount is that it goes up by, but it's pretty fucking certain at this point that they're going to lose a, another game or two if Malik Murphy is your starting quarterback. Yeah, Murphy throws two passes. Uh, 
You, know, you were starting the game off so hot. It, it is obviously troubling to get up 21 nothing. I don't know if the team relaxed and clearly the the fake field goal felt like a momentum shift and a, and a turning point in this game. It definitely looks felt it at the time and, and definitely looks like that after. I think that's hard to dispute. But for the offense to disappear the way they did, you know, they were able to run when they, for the most part, wanted to. Um, it felt like they, they were creating gaps and seams. I mean, you end up going for, you know, with, if you want to count Baxter and Brooks, about almost a buck 50, probably could have gone for more. But if Murphy's in there, yeah, I mean, it's going to be se- severely hampered. And, and um, thank God for Keelan Robinson and kick returns. I'm going to miss those when they're gone from the game. <laughs> yeah, Quinn Ewers, gosh, he started, what was it, 11 for 12? Yeah, the, of the game nearly 200 yards passing, and he did level out, uh, level off throughout the course of the game. More than 200 yards passing, two touchdowns, 23 of 29, the completions and attempts. And Jonathan Brooks doesn't quite crack 100 yards, 20 carries for 99 yards. He was active in the passing game, too. Eight receptions for him. Houston was really forcing Quinn Ewers to check down throughout the course of the game. I know they had a couple of deep balls there, but uh, the Houston defense, as maligned as they were today, uh, they really stepped it up after falling down by three touchdowns and uh, made life more difficult for this Texas offense that was maybe taking some things for granted. And um, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. This game was headed in the direction that we all thought it would, which is Texas just completely blowing Houston out of the water. And unfortunately, with under eight minutes left, Houston ties the game. And Malik Murphy is your quarterback going forward. Thankfully, Texas is good enough running the football that it didn't matter. And everybody who was wondering about the Big 12 officials just completely screwing Texas this year, I don't know if it was a screw job all the way up till the end, but Houston didn't have a single penalty called on them. I correct that. They had a penalty called on them, but it was declined because it was going to be a fourth and seven, I think, for the Houston offense. Uh, in terms of actual penalties, though, they had zero penalties about midway through the fourth quarter. Now, they end up getting that 15-yard face mask penalty, which should have been called. I mean, both guys were getting into it, but only one player grabbed a face mask and ripped the helmet off. But then, on a critical uh, third and one, it looked like the Houston ball carrier got the first down. They spotted it a half-yard short, and for whatever reason, in this era of college football, where they review everything, ended up not going and reviewing that play. And the Texas defense does hold on for one more play uh, on that fourth down. Offense gets the ball back and gets to kneel it out, and the Longhorns do win 31-24. I'm with you. I, I That felt like you got it. I mean, Texas caught a break there, and yeah, you take it. But uh, the way that thing felt, it just felt like, one, my guess is Dana would have gone for two. I completely agreed. Yep. And I was thinking the same, thinking that, but but th- this has felt like with this Texas defense the last couple games that it, it just feels like a Gary Darnell defense. I mean, it's just Swiss cheese, and I'm just waiting for them to score. I mean, I, I expected them to score right there and then go for two and probably get it. And you've got Malik Murphy in a two-minute drill trying to set up a shaky kicker. That's where this team is right now. That, that's who they are. And I expected, right? and I expected the safeties to be bad. Like I expect the safeties to be bad in coverage. Unfortunately, what has been the most surprising about the last two games defensively, Kevin, is how the linebackers have been picked on. Yep. In the passing game, like I know that there were questions about David Benda, and those questions obviously still exist right now, even after that sideline to sideline game against Baylor. But the fact that Jalen Ford and look, he played a better game than he did against OU. He was also being exploited in the passing game, though, over the middle of the field far too often. I just, I, I'm at a bit of a loss as to why the middle of the field has become such an albatross for the Texas coverage with regards to allowing guys to run free. Um, that did not seem to be the case earlier this year, but uh, there's been some some regression there, and uh, these Texas coaches and the players need to figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah, that they didn't, you know. A season is like a game. It's different. But a season, thank you, Padilla. Um, And yeah, I'm with you on that. A season is like a game. You have to make adjustments. And there's stuff on film. 
And so that's where you really grade a coaching staff. Do you get better as the year goes on? And, you know, they've got minds too. And they're going to see stuff and say, hey, this is how we pick on them. Okay. You've got to make that adjustment just like in game. And you get to October 21st and there's enough stuff out there, enough film out there that this is how we're going to pick on. Now, Texas needs to see what the weakness is and make that adjustment. And it may be a personnel thing. I mean, I understand they also haven't had Ryan Watts and Jalen Catalan. Not that Catalan is, is Ed Reed in coverage. But Ryan Watts, maybe Ryan Watts was that big of a boundary corner for this team. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brooks played an okay game today. I saw Gavin Holmes out there a couple of times, but Did Brooks play okay because I saw Brooks get beat a lot. Um, okay, so maybe, maybe, maybe the moments that I was watching him, he wasn't all that good, or maybe the moments that I was not watching him, he was not all that good. I saw him playing an okay game though, okay. up to a certain point. I trust your eyes, man. He did get he did get hurt at the ends. And I didn't feel like the cornerbacks were the biggest issue for this Texas secondary. I felt like it was much more on the safeties and then the linebackers to a lesser degree. But I'm also going to have to go back and watch this game too because um, I, I was at a um, at a gathering for the first three quarters of the game, so I was not able to watch every play as closely as as possible. So I also trust your opinion there. There were probably some moments where, uh, where Brooks flat out stunk. And if so, that's disappointing because he's one of those guys that I predicted at the start of the season that uh, he would really uh, show out and show why he was rated as a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Brooks probably is a bright future. I think Muhammad does. I think um, Derek does. But, but right now, like, their secondary is a liability. And you're right, the linebackers are too. And Jay Ward um, says Brooks got cooked a few times, so it's not yeah, – he, he got he got cooked on the on the first possession on a drop drop pass, mm-hmm. and Donovan Smith was weird today. You know, he he threw some really good balls, and then including the fourth and two, the or fourth and one, the last one on the flood they ran, just behind him, and and so this was actually a pretty good ball. But yeah, Brooks got cooked. I, I don't I don't trust anyone in the secondary to be honest. There's not one guy on there that I trust right now. No, even Ryan Watts and DJ, no, you don't have to watch the game closely to qualify to analyze it. Uh, we're sports guessers, just like meteorologists or weather guessers, and just like doctors or, uh, or sickness guessers, too. It's uh, it's how it goes. And uh, you don't also, you also don't have to watch the game closely to comment on YouTube, so we do appreciate no. the participation no. as always. Defense. Hey, I, will, I will say this with everything. I'll take the W right now. You know, I, this program's been on enough shit the last 10 years where we lose games like that. Yeah, so that's I'm, true. I mean, look, I just fucking bitched for, for 10 minutes. So I'm not, it's not like, I'm, you know, hey, Bill, we used to do it. I'm not playing like Sally Brown here, you know. Stop being so negative. No, you have every right to be negative and, and be realistic. It's one of the things I've always appreciated about Texas fans is that it was easy to do post game because, because they're realistic. And they may be a little too hard on it, but I think it's usually realism. You don't always get that with fandom. And and there are reasons to be concerned right now. Yes, there are. DJ, we love you too. We know. We know you're kidding. Oh, you're all good, dude. You kidding me? Uh, David says it's not his fault he can't finish weak teams by halftime. Colt at least did that. It's kind of a disjointed comment there. I guess you're talking about Sark, David. Look, Steve Sarkeesian is he makes questionable decisions at the ends of halves. I've been saying that for three years now. And unfortunately it looks like it's starting to infect his DC because Pete Kwiatkowski, for whatever reason, all of a sudden takes his foot off the gas. If we want to keep using, uh, keep using that analogy and is telling his defense or calling plays that has his defense more on its heels than anything. And that is opening up big holes in the secondary, allowing teams to move downfield really quickly. We saw it, at the end of the OU game, we saw it at the end of the half against Houston today, too. And it's unfortunate. And you would like to see something change there. Otherwise, it uh, it becomes a scenario where the rat continues to shock itself to get that cheese. And it's not working. And something differently needs to be done. Like, at least for Steve Sarkeesian's sake today, when they got into the red zone the very first time, what did they do on the short yardage situation? 
And we'll save on red back there. Now you are starting to run the risk of running that play a little bit too much in short yardage situations. And it will eventually be stuffed by a good defense, but at least he tried a, something a little bit different there versus continuing to try and hammer a square peg into a round hole. Right. But there are so many, so many twists and options off of that. I don't mean literal options. I, uh, it, you can pass. There's a lot of different shit you can do. And that's up for him. That That's why he's a head coach. That's why he's a great play caller to be able to feel that moment and, and to, and to move from there. It's what Osborne and Solich when Solich was OC did so well, they were in six fucking plays, but man, they had a feel for when to run the option pass or the, there's just little things that, that, that I, I still, tr- I mean, I trust him and, and, you know, it's like I said earlier, I, I don't know, if, you know, I feel like he's the right guy, but there are moments like this, like that date that I mentioned earlier, where you just go, man, you know, what's going on? We're, we're, we're still learning on the job, aren't we? Yeah, there is uh, some of that for sure. Now, Quinn, uh, people are wondering if Quinn Ewers maybe broke a collarbone, which I did not oh, see this while watching the game, but apparently he went into the metal, medical tent and came out and went to the locker room wearing a sling. So that is on the table right now. And he took a really hard shot. Now, thankfully, it was his left shoulder and not his right shoulder that he leaned into that hit on. But he took a hard shot there. And I get that he was trying to pick up the yardage for a first down to help his team win that game. But um, unfortunately, <laughs> it's a, a, a good example of this team maybe not being so smart with situational football. Like, you are the quarterback of this team. You need to understand that you getting an extra yard right there and creating that collision was not going to get you the first down. It was still two or three yards away. And so you got to slide right there because your team needs you. And if he has a broken collarbone now, then wow, I I don't know what to expect the rest of the way for this Texas football team. He's going to be out for at least four to six weeks if it is a collarbone injury, but that is pure speculation right now. So it's obviously something we're going to be paying close attention to throughout the rest of today and then over the next couple of days as well as uh, the injury report comes out. Yep, that would not be good at all. Um, it, and people will be like, oh, there are CFP chances. This is not going as wide open as college football is, and it feels like there's only three good teams and no all-time teams. That That's the last thing you need to think about right now. Uh, this is You're just trying to keep the arc going to where – if, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, if this team can win double digits this year, I'd be happy. And if he's out, then I, I don't even want to speculate about it, to be honest. I mean, I, I have no idea. But I didn't realize he, that he had a sling on, which I, I was – hate to say this. I was hoping it was more 2023 and, you know, he got his bell rung, as we say back in the day. And, and all right, you know, your, your headache's gone by Wednesday. All right, you're playing against BYU. Yeah. Uh, Billy, thank you for the uh, praise there. Best damn post game show. Really appreciate it. Oh, go, go back to that. That's pretty cool. Got his whole family there. Oh nice. yeah. I'm trying to see where they are. I am too. Is that is cool. That not the Baylor game. Yeah, that, I saw the bears. That's kind of what I was thinking. Oh, it's a, it's Arkansas. Those are Razorbacks. They look like bears, but uh, if you zoom in and you look at the placard, there's, a, yeah. there's definitely a Razorback. Well, in the Baylor one, usually we take that in front of the Dave Bliss and Art Briles statues. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, somebody said... So, hey, hey so, so Baylor ended up beating Cincinnati. I saw they were up by like 15. It's probably when I went, old man went nappy poo at halftime. Yeah, it was a 32 to 29 final score in that one. But uh, whoa, 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 okay, 32 29. So apparently, Emory Jones, or maybe not Emory Jones, maybe to put the backup in, but Cincinnati did come back in that game, but ultimately lost it. Uh, Robert says this conference is garbage. That is a frustrating thing with Texas fans, and I totally get it. And because I don't think Texas fans were necessarily deep down, I mean, after Alabama, you did, but thinking this is a true CFP team, but there are no, it doesn't feel like there's any. CFP teams this year, or maybe one or two, and the Big Twelve is such garbage. Yeah, you know, sometimes in life, you know, you're maybe not ready for it, but hey, dude, the environment and circumstances tell me I got a shot to land this chick or this job. I'm not ready for it, 
or she's out of my league, but shit, let's go after it. And so I, I understand because I, I had that a little bit, but I also have to separate that from really watching this team for the entirety of the year. And more importantly, seeing that people are poking holes in what you're doing and primarily the defense and that back seven or back six, whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, whoever's out there. Benda is getting taken advantage of. And there's some really good offensive minds. And as I always talk about with the rules, and they just don't call holding anymore at, at all offensively on both sides. I, I see Texas get away with it too. They just don't call it that it, it, those guys are going to be put on an island. You, you've got to do something to figure that out. You also have to apply pressure. And Texas is not applying enough pressure. And when they are, they're coming in like a one point where they had a pretty good blitz off the edge perimeter. He came in like a bat out of hell, which I like. I, I, I like that type, but you've got to be in control and you've got to contain. This team doesn't contain very well. We saw that with Gabriel as well. Yeah, I uh, need to get through some uh, some sponsorships here real quick. We have been reading comments from the YouTube comment line that is brought to you by Clean Cause. Eight delicious flavors of organic sparkling yerba mate with low or zero calories and 160 milligrams of natural caffeine. 50% of net profits support addiction recovery to date. They've given more than $2 million in support of recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. Cool. Find out more by going to cleancause.com. Dot com And Kevin, you said it a little bit earlier that while there is plenty to be upset with and to gripe about regarding this team's performance against Houston today, the bottom line is that they do win another game that yep. oftentimes in years past they would have lost. Yep. Oklahoma had to hang on to beat a, a UCF team that did not have a win in the Big 12 up to that point. That game was in Norman. And uh, it took them to the end to put that one away as well. And that is uh, that is the reality, certain weeks. Now, Texas looked great. They looked like we needed them to through the first quarter plus. But unfortunately, the script flipped. And Texas didn't have a good answer when Houston counterpunched. And unfortunately, they also tried to get too cute at times with that fake field goal. There's no reason to try to do something like that right there. Have enough confidence in your offense that it'll look great up to that point to keep them out <laughs> there and go for it on fourth down, especially because this Houston defense statistically is one of the worst defenses in the country on third downs, which Texas didn't take advantage of. And they're even worse on fourth downs too. So force them back out there to make a play. But no, you had to go fake field goal there for some stupid reason. And that gave them the momentum that allowed them to score another touchdown before halftime and ultimately uh, continue fighting to where they were able to tie the game up in the fourth quarter. Why did Jordan Whittington and A.D. Mitchell only get six combined targets? I'm not totally sure. I know that Houston was committing a lot of guys to that intermediate level. Yep. And uh, making sure that they weren't getting deep, beat deep also. So Quinn Ewers was checking down a lot of the time, which is why Jonathan Brooks ends up with yeah. eight receptions in the game too. But I don't know. You still at least try and force the issue a little bit more than that. Or scheme. Of, yeah, I didn't mean that as a Kirk Bowles question, as some loaded question. And and I mean, it. you know, I, I meant it more authentically. And I think you gave a, a genuine answer on that. And the checkdowns worked a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, Houston tackles like, it says like we do at times, but worse. Um, you know, if you get Jonathan Brooks, God, that kid's good, man. Um, for all the people that were telling me that Brooks is a real deal, you're right. And you get him in one-on-one -on -one in space, a lot of times that check down on first and 10 was second and three. And so I, I'm fine with that. But I, I just, with Sark, I, you've got to be able to scheme up. When you've got that many talented guys, I would think that you try and get them a little bit more involved, spread it around, and and just be as dynamic as the offense should be, especially when, when it's a tight game. Yeah, one aspect of Houston's game plan today that I don't totally understand, especially considering what Dylan Gabriel – did to this defense a couple weeks ago is why they weren't having Donovan Smith run more. I, I was I, 100% with you, man. And I think that that kind of bailed this Texas defense out, which was clearly out of sorts 
starting halfway through the second quarter, but really into the second half too. Now, I guess you could make the argument that they really didn't need to have him run because they were getting up and down the field with such ease. But uh, that's an element that they tried to introduce late, and it really didn't work all that well. By the way, I know Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman talked about this in the fourth quarter too. God, I I would rather watch my parents and hear the audio of them fuck than, than have to hear those guys ever again. Yeah, whatever whatever ways Brett Yormark and the Big 12 wants to torture Texas the rest of the way, there is no better way to torture Texas fans than to put Brando and Tillman on every Texas broadcast possible the rest of the way. Those two suck in general, but the clear bias that they're both, and by the way, Brando is worse than the Sooners grad, Spencer, Spencer Tillman. The clear oh, oh, bias- oh, without a doubt. No, Spencer, Spencer is the four hanging out with the fat one. And you go, yeah, I can take, you know, the four's not that bad. It's like, that's still a four, but you're hanging out with a one. Yeah, exactly. So Spencer Tillman, I kind of understand it. Tim Brando, go fuck yourself. Seriously. Go fuck yourself with the bias that you're operating with in a position where you need to try and be a little bit less so. And I get it. You probably probably get erect from uh, from all the trolling you do of Texas fans on game broadcasts and then also uh, on Twitter and other social media if you're on other social media. You suck at your fucking job, dude. It doesn't matter if Texas is in the game or not. If that's what it has come to for you to continue enjoying this gig, go quit. Go find something else to do because you are – terrible at this job that used to not be the case when he was on cbs yeah, but at I, some point when he moved over to the big 12 he got much worse at this job and guess what tim brando no people years from now are not going to be talking about that spot at the end of the game it was a bad spot that benefited texas you're the one that's going to be talking about it years from now because you're clearly obsessed with hoping and wanting to watch and wanting to call texas football lose games fuck you yeah, there, there is. I mean, obviously doing stuff with Longhorn Network or with ESPN and people knew I was at LHN. I mean, I got this a lot. I, I took it as a great compliment from OU Tech uh, fans, uh, Baylor fans saying, man, I was worried about watching this baseball game and you were fucking straight down the middle. Like, I, I appreciate it. You know, Baylor scored or something went or a bad call against Baylor. You're like, hey, I looked outside. Right. You got to be able to call that down the middle, even if people know that you may have a bias. You got to be uh, what's that called? A pro. And I'm with you. I mean, that Brando back in the day didn't really bother me. I try and not rip on announcers because I know I know that is actually a really tough job. I've done it, but it, it it's just you can't go that far, especially on Twitter, like he is, and then get into that game and try and be. Well, I'm just here to call the game. No, we know you you hate Texas. And and yeah, I mean, for Tillman, an OU guy, it feels like he hates Texas less. And the only only thing different would have been if Andre Ware would have been in the booth with him. Oh God, that would have been insufferable. I know, I know. We offered you guys a DB. Sorry it didn't work out because you won a fucking Heisman at Cougar High and was drafted in the first round and stole a paycheck. Uh sorry about that. Uh, are, you, are you over that now? I, I didn't mean to, to to hurt your heart at 17. You end up getting married and banking out after the divorce, and you're still pissed at me in our 40s? Grow up. Yeah, it's uh, it's inexcusable. And unfortunately, we're probably going to have to labor through that at least one or two more times this year. Actually, I think the BYU game is a Fox game, if I'm remembering correctly. So it may be as soon as next weekend. Yeah. Give, give me Gus Johnson and what a yeah! I'll take that any day of the week over Brandon. Oh, and his histrionics are welcome at this point. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be acting and and it's complete act, and I'll take that over whatever Brando's doing. All right, moving on now to our offensive MVP. It is brought to you by Verde's Mexican Parilla, located on Hamilton. Well Florida. done. Off of 71, thank you, in beautiful Spicewood, Texas. Verdes is serving up an extensive menu of all your traditional Mexican and Tex-Mex favorites. They've got a beautiful indoor dining area that makes for a great date night. Outside, a covered patio with a ton of space for the whole family. They've got a huge grass area with footballs, frisbees, and games for everyone to enjoy. 
They can host your party and cater your next event as well. Go see them. It's Verde's Mexican Parilla. Uh, offensive player of the game, Kevin, Jonathan Brooks probably, considering that he's a, a yard shy of 100 on the ground, plus he adds eight catches for 51 yards too. Really yeah, the guy I, they had to turn to with Malik Murphy in the game at quarterback and then not wanting to put, put too much on Malik's plate. Uh, he leads the way down the field for that go-ahead touchdown, even though technically it was C.J. Baxter who gets that final score. Yeah, but Brooks is the guy. It's not – no one really – obviously, Quinn stood out early on, but Brooks would be that guy. And I think – I'm glad you mentioned that too, receiving kind of what he was able to do if you look at the total yards. Um, th- th- there may have been someone else. So if we were able to get coaches film or I'll go back and rewatch it, I can't wait to delete this one. Go yeah. back and rewatch it. Maybe there's a Kelvin Banks or a Christian Jones or Jake Majors who – you know, or Hayden Connor. I mean, shit, it's one of those where if you went back and watched it, it's that tight where this could have been an offensive lineman, but yeah, I mean, without, you know, I'm not going to bullshit y'all. I didn't see one guy really stand out. I'll go Brooks. Is there a defensive MVP for this game? God. Um, Jalen Ford had two and a half tackles for a loss, including a sack, six total tackles. Michael Taff led the team in tackles with eight also has the interception in the end zone at a critical point in the game. So probably one of those two guys, even though both were also uh, beaten badly at times too. Yeah. Defensive player of this game for me um, is Brian Jones. I thought the way he mirrored Chuck Weatherspoon held him to 24. We didn't score 45 this time, but um, yeah, I, I've got, I've got no one, but you also know that there'd be a lot of times in T-ball where, no one's getting a trophy. Sorry. But let's give a shout out to our sponsor, right? I mean, let's give them some love. We can still give them love, and I think they'll appreciate us because that's why our listeners love us. We're just honest about stuff, whether we're right or wrong, calling balls and strikes, hopefully not like Angel Hernandez. And they're just there's not – this defense really has to recalibrate what they're doing. And I don't want to hear Sark – you know, this is this is the week, y'all – to go ahead and follow up with some questions. And when Stark mm-hmm. says, we just, we, we got tackle butter in the two minute drill. Yes. Helen Keller is giving a thumbs up. She's somewhere up in heaven looking down, going, I see all this. Um, but I can hear it too. But this is where you follow up and say, well, well oh, yes. What are you doing? Like, what are you specifically doing? What are you, Terry Joseph and Coach K, when you get into meetings, what are you all doing? What are you doing to get more pressure? What are you doing? Clearly in the back end, there are just open holes. And there was a shot of Sark on that last drive, whereas an offensive mind, I know he's thinking, oh, my God. I, I, I could have been an eighth-grade team, you know, get open against this defense right now. Yeah, well, he he did this team no favors, too, in the second half because there was a moment around midfield where Texas went for it on fourth and short, and I have no problem with them going for it. I think it was fourth and two or fourth and three, maybe. And they ran, I don't know if it was a wheel route, actually, or something else, but they try and throw the ball down the field to A.D. Mitchell, and it wasn't a great throw, and it was pretty well covered, too, but it's like, why are you trying such a low-percentage throw right there versus something closer to the line of scrimmage, it's a little bit of a quick, quicker hit. And so Steve Sarkeesian right there with that play call essentially helps his own team shoot themselves in the foot. And they give Houston a shorter field that I believe that they then take the ball back downfield for either a field goal or a touchdown. 378, man. 378 through the air. Donovan Smith sends some damage against Texas. By the way, whether... Whether it's Taff or Ford or nobody, the uh, defensive MVP, as always in the postgame, is brought to you by Kenfield Golf Cars. If you're in the market for a new or pre-owned golf cart, look no further than Kenfield Golf Cars. They were founded in 1979. They have unparalleled selection of different golf carts available and new or used. They love to turn your existing golf cart into your own design, or they could build you a golf cart to fit your needs. Nobody does it better than Kenfield Golf Cars. Check out their website, KenfieldGolfCars.com, for more info. 
or give them a call at 512-258-8515. I have a quick question for you, Kevin, on last night's baseball game, the Astros-Rangers game. Yep. Congratulations to Astros fan. That was a hell of a win for God, you. Guys. What what a game. I, I know you're feeling it. You, you've got so much going on in life that you were one of the few Dallas people I could talk to last night because I know it hurt, but you're also – like it's a great thing about you, you know. I, I, you've got perspective on stuff. But as someone with no dog, God, that was a great game. It was a very entertaining game. It, did, it was a gut punch at the end for Rangers yeah. fans, no doubt. When Altuve hits that homer, but it had some chippiness that we were expecting all series yeah. long, and it was a back and forth affair too. No, that was a very entertaining game. Angel you called. You called that, by the way. I was I think it was it Thursday. You go, yeah, this has been a great series, but where's the chippiness? And yeah. there you go. And by the way, I know. Are you going to ask about the Abreu stuff or no? No, I'm not going to ask about the okay. Abreu stuff. What I'm going to ask you is if you know who the home plate ump was. This is not me excuse making, by the way, because it was terrible for both teams. That guy needs to be replaced by a fucking umpire immediately. Yeah. With regards to calling balls and strikes. Do you know who that ump was? I know it wasn't Angel Hernandez. Who was it, though? Doug Eddings, I believe. Um, he sucked his job. It was awful. It was awful on both sides. He missed He missed probably three walks and two strikeouts and pitches in between there. Yeah, he, he was bad. I, I Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think you're doing that. I'm clearly not going to put the game on that. But, but yeah, I mean, that, that does mess with you. And... It it screwed it screwed both teams. I am not saying yes. it screwed one team yeah. more than the other. It screwed both teams. I saw right. both fan bases griping about it on Twitter as they should have been. It was terrible. Yeah, Doug Eddings, I believe. But yeah, I saw today he was it was the second worst home plate umpiring by the metrics in the playoffs. And the guy before had had hit second. So he just bumped him out, you know. Guy was probably, you know, doing first base now. Uh, Kevin, by the way, says my mom is listening to the old 104.9 The Horn broadcaster say fuck in their pajamas at home. Um, I don't think I'm wearing my pajamas right now, Kevin. So I'm I'm dressed like I was during the daytime today. And I'd be <laughs> shocked if Kevin's in his PJs right now, too. I'm not. Not not my PJs. Sorry. I don't know if that was a compliment or not. But I think whatever. it was uh, some uh, – I think it was loving in the end. Terry yeah. says BYU has our number. Better get their shit tightened up. This will be tougher competition than Houston. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't be. BYU also not a great football team right now, but right. what does that matter? We learned today that uh, that may not matter a whole lot, especially if Quinn Ewers is out for an extended period of time, which there aren't really reports out right now one way or the other, other than people watching him go to the locker room with his arm held close to his body in a manner that looks like a, a collarbone injury. And he took a hard shot on the left side of his body near the end of the game. And even though he did finish off that drive, that was it for him on the day. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I think this probably, probably is a collarbone. Kerry says, I would say Red could be in the discussion for offensive MVP. Had a great game with what he was asked to do. Yeah, no, I look, he he did a great job. He converted some uh, some short yardage situations. He got into the end zone, obviously. Uh, he was a plus for this Texas offense today, but I still think it's probably Jonathan Brooks that gets the MVP there. So let's say you have a week to really prep people. I, I mean, I, I think you probably use both, but stuff I've heard is Arch Manning your your better passer right now. Can Malik Murphy take a little bit off the football? I mean, you don't you don't need to be fastballing every throw. As a matter of fact, that's not a good quality for a quarterback. If you can show some touch, then maybe it can be Malik Murphy, but if he doesn't possess the ability to understand uh the velocity necessary on certain throws, then you you probably have to consider Arch at some point. I think Malik gets a start against BYU, um, but if that goes poorly or if he's not very good going into halftime, maybe he's throwing an interception or two and Texas is trailing at halftime, you probably do consider Arch Manning at, at that juncture. Was uh, was yours, Was that a collarbone last year, wasn't it? 
Sorry, I had to turn the lights on. I'm way too dark for me in here. Um, it uh, it was an AC joint injury last year, so no, not exactly collarbone. And I only yeah. know that because I've also suffered an AC joint injury, and I know how painful that is. I thought I re-injured my AC joint playing volleyball on Friday. Thank goodness that wasn't the case, but I would have taken a collarbone injury if it meant uh, Quinn Ewers was able to stay healthy. No, as I said that, I realized that that's not true. Nah, I, I would have. I, I, I would take you blown out of Achilles to keep Quinn Ewers healthy. <laughs> I definitely don't want to blow out the Achilles. I blow out the Achilles, my volleyball career is over with, and I'm going to yeah. find some wood to knock on right now. But uh, yeah. hopefully Quinn's okay. I mean, look, he was out of the pads when he came out of the tent and went straight into the locker room, but uh, we just have to wait to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, we're obviously speculating. I am getting, I think, like you are, a bunch of, it's rumors, but it's people I also trust um, saying that that's the initial thought. Is and, collarbone? Pardon me? Is collarbone? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yep, yep, yep. Just can't have nice things here in Austin, can we? No. no. You know what, though? It's a one-loss team right now, and and you know, no matter who it is, they have enough talent and they've got a good enough run game. This is where Sark's got to really make his money. And it felt like today he didn't, but no. And, and PK's, I don't care who the quarterback is. Defense has to be better. Actually, I do care who the quarterback is because the defense even has to be much better if they don't have yours. Yeah. The defense needs to be what we thought they were three weeks ago. Yeah. Which is a group that is going to keep you in, any game, even if your offense is struggling mighty mightily, they need to be better than that now. And they need to start doing a better job of forcing turnovers too, because uh, that area has left a lot to be desired over the last month or so. Now getting pressure and forcing turnovers. And a lot of times those two things are intertwined. Yes, they are. So uh, in his post game presser, Steve Sarkeesian says Quinn has a hurt shoulder. We'll know tomorrow. He tried to play through it. Well, that, that makes me feel good. I mean, I, at this point, I hope it is a shoulder and not a – because a collarbone is – Collarbone shoulder. four to six weeks cut and dry, right? Uh, collarbone is – I would call collarbone shoulder if I was being somewhat vague about the vague about that he, so, he is. Uh, Y'all yeah. acting like Malik is a scrub? No, I'm not acting no, like not, a scrub. not at all. Really? But he's yeah. a guy who has zero real game experience before today. Yes, and in today's game, they had him throw two passes, and he went one of two. And the one completion was at the line of scrimmage. And yeah. thankfully, they have a really good running back that they could lean on a little bit more in that uh, that last true drive, and they did. But they're going to need more out of Malik Murphy going forward if they're going to win games against some of the shitty competition left on the schedule, much less if they find their way back to Dallas that first weekend of December to take on Oklahoma or whoever else in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, they're going to have to need more out of Quinn Ewers if he plays next week. True. The position in general. So I have no idea. I mean, I certainly don't think Malik's a scrub, but let's not also act like, you know, he's going to come in here and light it up. And they were super conservative with him because they could be. Kickoff return really helped that out, but you've got a run game. And they and you also want to chew up the clock because your defense is Swiss cheese. And we saw that with Oklahoma with 112 to go and what no timeouts. And then we saw it again today. Texas got lucky to get out of there. Lucky. Because that was a first down and they're scoring a touchdown and Dana's going for two. And if you think that any team is not going to be able to get three yards on this defense right now, you're crazy. Yep. SG says he can only run the plays Sark calls. So until Malik gets more chances to throw, how will we know what he can really do? Give the kid a chance. We're, 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 guys. That's, just, that, that's exactly what, yes, 100%. What, what a, <sighs> okay. Yeah. Y yes. Yes. That's what we're saying. We're going to give Malik a chance. But what I said is because one of his two throws, he tried to fastball it in there, and that has apparently been a gripe of his is that he's got this huge arm, but he has a hard time taking stuff off throws. If that continues to be an issue, then that's going to be problematic. 
whenever he is starting against BYU next week and any game beyond, if that is what the circumstance is. And hopefully Quinn Ewers is, you know, he just suffered a stinger and he'll be ready to go next week, but you have to prepare for everything right now. But yes, him getting first team reps this year is going to help with his overall performance. I agree with that. I'm, I'm, I'm to- look, I'm giving him uh, as much of a chance as I, I've given Quinn this year, which is a lot and a lot of rope. And same thing with Arch. I mean, I doubt Arch would be ready right now. Malik's going to have more experience, but he doesn't have reps of, of being a starter, live bullets coming at him. And so, yeah, it's going to be something as a Texas fan, of course you're going to wonder what's going on. My forte. <laughs> Very creative way to spell it. I like it. that. Uh, my forte. I didn't realize it until I said it out loud. Didn't the television announcer say that yours is going to be fine? Yeah, but that's Tim Brando, and Tim Brando's a fucking moron. So yeah, they, uh, you they, can't they take don't. anything he says seriously, especially as it pertains to the Texas Longhorns. Uh, Duty Price says Malik is another Tyrone Swoops. Respectfully, I hope Sark can get some packages in there for him. He's going to have to use his legs a lot. I, I disagree with that. I think that uh, Malik. We don't know. Once again, we don't know. I think Malik Murphy, in terms of the potential, is a better thrower than Tyrone Swoops was when he was forced into action. And Tyrone Swoops may be a little bit better as a runner, too. Like, I've, I haven't heard that Malik, uh, Malik Murphy is some great runner. So I think that's a little bit presumptive that uh, Malik and Tyrone Swoops are, are similar types of player. But that's uh, we we welcome all opinions here yeah, on Texas Unfiltered. So we appreciate you chiming in. It's a, it's a big family. There are going to be different opinions at the Thanksgiving table. Yep. Joe K says, maybe Sark can figure out how to use Malik and Arch and keep BYU on their toes next week. And uh, yes, Stephen, Tim is a poopy head. I agree with you on that. I'll give Tim a break. Oh, Brando, Brando, I got you. They was talking about one of our texters. Um, yeah, yeah no, no, don't, he, don't give Timmy, Timmy Brando a break. He is a doo-doo head. <laughs> the offensive play of the game has to be C.J. Baxter's yep. 16-yard touchdown. Yep. Give the Longhorns the lead for good. We're in agreement on that one. That is brought to you by Hat Creek Burger Company. Did you know that Hat Creek celebrated its 15, 15th birthday earlier this year? He started as a food truck in Austin behind Star Bar on West 6th Street back in 2008. Since then, they've continued to grow to 26 locations across Texas with spots in Austin, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Temple, and now Waco. They would love to hook your family up for a meal. Bucky always brags about their breakfast. I've never eaten the breakfast, but I have had lunch and dinner there. My kids love it. My family loves it. We especially love that birthday cake shake. Find out for yourself. Go to Hat Creek Burger Company. Thank you for sponsoring the offensive play of the game. How about defensive play of the game? Um, A flood route that was thrown behind a guy. Give it to Donovan Smith. Who are you going to give it to? Um, defensive play of the game. I guess that Taff interception. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was it, driving. It, it, yeah, that 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 would be the one. And then there was a nice play. There was a nice play. I think the receiver was already not catching the ball, but there was a nice play on that fourth down at the end of the game too, where the cornerback came up and put a good hit on the Houston receiver that ensured that he didn't catch the football too. So one of those two plays is our defensive play of the game brought to you by Moonshine Patio Bar and Grill. Moonshine takes you back to a simpler time. That's because it's comfortable and familiar, relaxed and easygoing. Moonshine greets guests like family while serving up an innovative take on classic American comfort food. Moonshine is celebrating 20 years in business, and they want to thank all of Austin for their support in that time. Go see them for a fantastic dinner or check that great weekend brunch. Two locations, downtown and out near me in Cedar Park, technically Avery Ranch. Moonshinegrill.com for more information. Moonshine Patio Bar and Grill does sponsor that defensive play of the game. Yeah, defense has to get back to the drawing board. Good thing about this, if viewers does miss any time, you know, Sark has a full week to get both guys ready. And and maybe it's just Malik 
but get get them ready and actually have a full week. It's hard to be thrown in in that situation. And I completely understand why Sark was that conservative because you could be, you know, and, and if we had special teams play of the game, it would be Keelan Robinson and just how big that, if that, if you're at the 15, 20 or 25 and you're having to run what Texas is running now, they may have just run strictly run the ball and shoved it up their you know, ask for 80 yards. But the fact that put them in that situation made it feel a lot, lot more comfortable and probably took some some pressure off everyone. Yeah, yeah, he did. That would, uh, setting your team up for good field possession, <laughs> that matters in football as we've learned over the years. Eddie brings up a great example of uh, another really good defensive play. Ford's sack and fumble. Yeah. That was recovered from one of the Texas defensive linemen. I, I would I would accept that as a uh, defensive play of the game if that's the way you wanted to go there because that got the Longhorns the ball back and I, I forget what they did on offense. Gonna have to go back and watch that one. But thank you for the uh, for chiming in with that one, Eddie. Rodney says QB controversy after next week. He says that sarcastically. Hey, look, I hope Malik Murphy plays well enough that people are wondering if. Uh, Maybe he can give you a little bit more. But Quinn Ewers is not the problem, though. Quinn Ewers is your starting quarterback when he's healthy. But it would be great to see Malik Murphy show that he is a bona fide backup quarterback in college football or a guy who can fill in while your starter is out with a serious shoulder injury. That would be fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I hope he, he's quarterback controversy because he plays so well and not, oh, do we have to go to Arch Manning at this point? And so... Yeah, I, I'm just hoping the best for Quinn. They need to get him healthy. But there, there are other things that they just have to clean up as a football team. And, and right now, their their pass defense is is just – it's not at a level where it's not Big 12 championship level. It's not – certainly not playoff level. It's not January 6th level at this point. And can they turn that around? Probably. I mean, it gets back to, to making more in-season adjustments, not just in-game adjustments. But people are picking on you, and they have been now. Yeah, I don't know if it is fixable this year because we've seen, past, we've seen this past defense. It's been broken for a long time now. Yeah. Through different co coordinators too. Like this past defense, it's been a long time since you've watched this past defense and said this is a lockdown secondary. From a program that likes to refer to itself as DBU, it's been a long time since this program has been DBU. I don't care if you occasionally still put a cornerback or a safety into the NFL. You haven't played about uh, played like it for a long time now. Yeah, let's get Ryan Watts and Jalen Catalan healthy and PK and Terry Joseph and Gideon and all those guys got to get together and say, all right, well, what's broken? How do we fix it? And that's why we're paid big bucks. You know, how do we deal with the talent we have right now and make this, make this better? Because it just, they, if they're going to keep that up, then they, they've got they've got losses ahead of them. I know that the Texas defense is going to be facing a lot of crossing routes going forward. Yeah, you think? Yeah, they should. But then right. I, also, I, I also would too. See Donovan Smith running the football throughout the day, and that didn't happen. So yeah, you can call them. You can call some of them rub routes. Well, we do the same thing, and that's part of football. <laughs> so you, you've got to figure out ways to to deal with that. Yep. Uh, anything else on your mind? I think we're getting close to the final word here brought to you by Paul's motor works. Paul's motor works has been repairing foreign and domestic cars in Austin since 2000 specialized in BMW, mini Cooper, Mercedes Benz, Audi, Volkswagen, and Porsche, but they do so much more than that. It's where BK goes to get his oil changes too. And his hoopty don't trust your car to anyone. Trust your car to the great people at Paul's motor works. Check them out online at P mwaustin.com final thoughts final thoughts my final thought is just i'm just glad they got through it um that there are issues it's always better to work on your issues in life after a dub and that did not feel like they were getting a dub and some of that may be ptsd getting back to your point with the secondary defense or just overall program the last 10 years that is a game they lose a lot and they were they were able to get a win but understand too that wherever whatever you thought of yourself how high it was 
that needs to come crashing back down to reality because this team has has some things they need to work on. The coaching staff has some things they need to work on. Number one, you have to get the defense fixed and the pass defense, but you got to get more pressure. You got to create more turnovers. I think Sark uh, with game management needs to also look inside himself and some of the stuff he does as a head coach outside of an offensive play caller. All that needs to be up for debate and all that needs to be, there also needs to be a a serious for all these guys individually and as a team and call it a come to Jesus, whatever, but just a realization that, you know, if we thought we can just stay as we were after Alabama, that's not going to work. You have to get better as the year goes on. And right now it just doesn't feel like they're getting better. Some of that maybe as we've talked about, there just there are certain things once it's on tape, you're gonna get exposed and and coaches are gonna see that. All right, make that adjustment and deal with the personnel you have right now. Very well said there. So this Texas football team has not been good for much of the year on third downs and in the red zone. Third down percentage today, three of twelve. Yep. I don't know what the red zone percentage was. Unfortunately, uh, TexasFootball.com does not have the uh, expanded box score up just yeah. yet. Is that but, is that is this Houston not have a press box? I, I don't know what's going on there. Um, but uh, Texas had at least one failure in the red zone, so. Uh, this is a really bad defense, and this is your chance to uh, to really start to turn some of those things around, and they're not just yet. So it's back to the drawing board. You need to figure it out, and you really also need to figure out why you're so bad against the pass. You give up big plays downfield, and you're also giving up a lot in the middle of the field too. It's inexcusable. You have the pieces to perform there. Your linebackers should not be that bad in coverage, even though they're linebackers. Safety? I'll actually give a little bit of leniency on safety, much like what you talked about with uh, with uh, position groups being recruited well or not quite being there just yet. Like you could say that about the linebackers. There's not great depth at linebacker. There's not a complete lack of talent at safety right now, but it is a very thin position too. So you've got to figure out a way to try and start to cover that up. And part of that has to do with not putting certain guys out there anymore because they have proved incapable of covering guys downfield. Now, I realize Keaton Crawford, it wasn't terrible coverage on the ball that he gave up that at first we thought it was a touchdown and then it turned into a first and goal from the one. That was essentially a touchdown. That was okay coverage. It was a better throw and catch. But uh, Keaton Crawford is one of those guys who probably needs to start learning a different position or only be in there in spots where it's a very obvious run play, where he can run downhill and try and help out with the run. But you've got to figure something out right now, PK. This is why you get paid the big bucks. It is your job. And if you don't change something right now, this is a team that is headed for a couple more losses before it's all said and done. It becomes imperative that the defense figures it out because you don't know what to expect out of the offense going forward. With Quinn Ewer's status now up in the air and the possibility that Malik Murphy or if we're opening the competition back up, like Steve Sarkeesian claims is usually the case in situations like this, Arch Manning is your starting quarterback back against BYU next week. So, yeah, I, um, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not, sh- I'm just not sure where they're, where they're, I know there's talented guys, but a lot of them are really young and, and the roster has been really turned over. They've developed pretty well, but it, it's just, it's not there yet. And that's not a huge surprise. I think Derek, can, Willi- Derek, Derek Williams is a guy who gets a lot of love. I watched him get burned today on crossing routes. So he's, he's fallen into that bad habit now too. Yeah. He's also a kid starting his second game. So I, once again, I will give him just like we talked about Malik Murphy earlier. I'll give, if you haven't had that many reps, I, I clearly will give you more benefit of the doubt and give you a little bit of room, but for they, sure. They they've got yeah they they've got to figure it out but hey man it, we we've been in much worse spots than this and recently so uh what are they six and one now six and one now uh, you know it, it it feels good to be pissed off after six and one it's been a long time that's a good way to put it that is yeah. a great way to put it yeah right. we got the, we got the quarterly review and right. um. 
the, the you know, we didn't get back as much as we wanted. Yeah, you're still and, getting stuff back, all right? So, And Alabama got their shit together today, and they, uh, they end up winning that game against a ranked opponent. So that win continues to look better and better. Yeah, yeah, and it does. I, I, down. I saw someone on Twitter today say, oh, I, I, it was like third, third or fourth quarter and, and put, oh, God, I mean, I don't even want to look at the AP. But stop worrying about the AP poll. Stop worrying about the AP poll. Stop worrying. Stop. Who cares about that? Like at this point, you just want the – you see what this team is. Worry about the secondary. Worry about this coaching staff getting this team to get better. They need to get better. And that that would be the biggest issue if this team regresses the rest of the year because that is a maybe we shouldn't be married type discussion. <laughs> yep. And we're still feeling out the marriage. It's the way it works. <laughs> All right. Thanks, my friends. All right, guys. Y'all be good. Be safe tonight and hook them. Thank you to everybody for watching and listening. If you are on YouTube right now, please click that thumbs up button and subscribe to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel if you have not already. And you can download that free app that gives you the audio stream for pregame, postgame, and all throughout the week as well. Texas Sports Unfiltered live Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And Bucky and BK will be at it Monday morning, 8 a.m., talking about the narrow Longhorns victory over Houston, 31-24. As Kevin just said, have a great rest of the weekend. We will talk to you on the other side and hook them.